0: Hello, my name is Dr. Kim Farina and I'm a veterinarian and I'm the host of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis, provided to you by Zoetis Pet Care. Welcome to season four. In season one, we learned about ProHeart 12 with the active ingredient Moxidectin. And in season two, we focused on another new product, Simperica Trio, a combination of Moxidectin, Pyrantyl and sarolaner. And in season three, we took a look at veterinary leadership This season, we're back to technical topics, which is cool. We have two new episodes exploring veterinary dermatology. Here's what we're hoping, that these two podcast episodes give you everything you need to know about what's new in the world of veterinary dermatology, and hopefully make dermatology simpler at your practice by using a team approach to managing these cases. I'll be interviewing two extraordinary guests on two episodes who have stories to tell, information to share, and no doubt some laughs because I've got a trivia quiz in the show so you can test your knowledge on some non-veterinary topics. Another thing, you don't have to listen to the episodes in order, but they do have a flow, so it may help for you to listen to them sequentially. Today, we have a packed show, so let's get to it. I'm interviewing Dr. Lindsay McKay, who is a board-certified veterinary dermatologist with BCA Arboretum View Animal Hospital outside of Chicago in Downers Grove, Illinois. Welcome, Dr. McKay. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Freena. I'm
1: excited to be part of this dermatology podcast. Now more than ever, I'm glad that veterinarians
0: are able to connect in virtual mediums like this. It's so awesome, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So let's start with you telling us about your background and why you became a veterinary dermatologist in the first place. Absolutely. I'm a
1: Florida native growing up on Marco Island. I began working at Marco Veterinary Hospital um, as a teenager with uh, my first mentor, Dr. Brent Garrison. He told me that his biggest regret was not pursuing specialty veterinary medicine that really struck a chord with me. I attended vet school at the University of Florida. Go Gators, woo! I have always felt that veterinary medicine is a challenge because our patients can't tell us what's wrong with them. It's a mystery that we have to solve to make them better. When I was in my radiology rotation, it was really all just shades of gray to me. The puzzle just did not fit. But in my first dermatology rotation, everything just made sense to me. The history, physical exam findings, and test results all clicked. I really felt I was meant to be a veterinary dermatologist solving the mystery of skin and ear disease. I think you can tell I really do love what I do. Absolutely. So tell us, what's your day-to-day practice like? I work at VCA Arboretum View, as you said, which is in the near west suburbs of Chicago. And I am so fortunate to have two amazing technicians, Jody and Vanessa. We are very much a team. It's a high volume practice and we are always
0: going. <laughs> I can imagine. So today we're going to focus on itchy dogs. Why do you think helping itchy dogs is so important?
1: I have seen clients come into my office and they are ready to euthanize their dogs if I cannot stop the itch that is destroying both the pet and the pet parent's quality of life. It is heartbreaking. If you have never owned an itchy dog, you have no idea how much it affects the human-animal bond. Most of my clients with itchy dogs have been on an absolute roller coaster of ups and downs before they reach my door. It is the best feeling in the world to guide them through the steps of getting to the root cause of their dog's itching and bring the pet the relief that they deserve.
0: Yeah, and I just find that these dogs are just so uncomfortable. And I agree that the mm-hmm. first thing we need to do is to get them to stop itching and get it done quickly. Mm-hmm. I have to remember when I graduated, steroids were one of the main medications that we used and you know they did work fast.
1: A veterinarian should really consider the differences in the side effects between something like Apoquil as well as steroids. In a short-term study, the most common side effects of Apoquil were vomiting and diarrhea. The most common side effects of steroids are the ones we're familiar with. Increased thirst, increased urination, increased appetite, and those behavioral changes. Interestingly, a 2015 study showed that Apoquil provided similar itch control to prednisolone. Using owner-assessed visual analog scales, or itch scoring measures, the dogs on Apoquil and prednisolone began to have their itch reduced within four hours, so they both work fast. And both groups also had similar lowered PBAS or itch scores all the way through 28 days of treatment.
0: So we've established that ApoQuel works fast, like Mm -hmm. steroids. But what about its anti-inflammatory effects, Dr. McKay? Yes, Apoquil is also specifically
1: designed to target the inflammation in itchy dogs. Apoquil is a selective Janus kinase inhibitor with activity against primarily JAK1 as well as JAK3-dependent cytokines. It has both antipritic and anti-inflammatory properties, reducing the activity of pro-inflammatory cytokines of allergies. That includes IL-2, 4, 6, 13, as well as inhibiting the activity of IL-31, which is our primary itch-producing cytokine. Multiple studies have actually demonstrated the anti-inflammatory effects of Apoquil, including the one that I mentioned earlier, where Apoquil was compared to prednisolone. And at days 7, 14, and 28, there was a significant reduction in lesion scores in the dogs on Apoquil, which was statistically similar to those dogs that were on steroids So what we can see from this study is that not only are dogs more comfortable and less itchy within hours, but their skin lesions are also clinically improved within days due to Apoquil's anti-inflammatory effects.
0: Now, a lot of pet owners want to try antihistamines though. Do you think we should recommend those for itchy dogs?
1: Well, the International Committee on Allergic Diseases in Animals, which is known as ICADA, reviewed the evidence of using antihistamines for the treatment of acute flares of atopic dermatitis. First, they classified antihistamines in the category of likely to be of little or no benefit in dogs with acute flares of atopic dermatitis. In addition, there also was a study looking at the use of cetirizine in dogs with chronic atopic disease, 27 dogs were placed on 3 mg per kg of cetirizine, and then we also had a placebo group, both on treatment for 14 days. They found no difference in the itch level between these two groups of dogs. So I think that the real detriment of using antihistamines is that most owners have already tried one. And it didn't help. And that's why they came to see you. So if we prescribe yet another treatment that fails, they may lose faith in
0: us. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And Apoquel has no label limitations for the duration of therapy, and it can be used long term for maintenance. So can you comment on its long term safety?
1: Well, let's start with a discussion, uh, with a comment actually about monitoring of dogs on long-term apical. Good medical practice standards for veterinarians include regular physical examinations, laboratory monitoring of patients that are on any long-term treatment for a chronic medical condition. The frequency and type of monitoring that should be done should be based on the dog's age, their health status, comorbidities present, and medications being given and should really be determined on an individual basis. As indicated on the label, field studies, including the continuation therapy study and target animal safety study, they didn't identify any laboratory findings that would need to be routinely monitored. Because of this, Zoetis does not have any specific monitoring recommendations for dogs on Apoquil. Monitoring should be done as you would do for any dog treated long-term with a chronic
0: medication. Now, if I remember, there's a five-year study I'd like you to talk about. What were the findings there? Yes, of course. I'm happy
1: to share with you the details of APICL's five-year pharmacovigilance review. It was a comprehensive post-approval surveillance program, and here are just a, a few of the findings. One, the incidence of overall adverse reactions were found to be rare, which means greater than one, but less than 10 animals reacting per 10,000 treatments administered. And two, When we look at individual adverse reactions, they were categorized as very rare, which means they occurred in less than one animal reacting per 10,000 treatments. The most common side effects in decreasing order were vomiting, diarrhea, lethargy, anorexia, and blood work changes. So these results are consistent with the pivotal safety and efficacy studies that have been done prior to the drug's approval that I had already um, discussed earlier. And they indicate that Apoquil is performing as expected under field conditions. And this also matches my clinical experience, having used Apoquil for over 11 years, both as an investigator in all of the clinical trials and then in my dermatology practice the last seven years. I find it's very uncommon to see any adverse effects with the use of Apoquil, but I do mention to owners to monitor for GI upset or lethargy.
0: And I feel like many veterinarians may have questions concerning Apoquil and neoplasia. So can you shed some light on this? Over the years,
1: I've been asked about concerns with the use of Apoquil and the risk of neoplasia. Looking at all the data, there is no evidence for a higher risk of new cancers in dogs treated with Apoquil. First, in the long-term continuation therapy study that I mentioned before, in that study that is referred to on the label, 12 of 239 dogs developed neoplasia for an overall incident rate of about 5%. That is what you would expect in any group of dogs that were closely monitored for a period over a year, regardless of their health or illness or any treatments that they were on. So then if we look at that five-year pharmacovigilance safety review, the two most commonly reported individual neoplasias were papillomas and histiocytomas. And these have previously been reported in the margin of safety studies and those pivotal studies that were done at the time of launch. And for each, the reported incidence rate is very rare. And again, that means the incident rate was less than one for 10,000 dogs treated. That also means that any other individual cancers reported also had an incident rate of very rare.
0: And there was also a study that was just published in JAVMA too, right? Yeah, hot off the presses. So an abstract was
1: presented at the 2019 North American Dermatology Forum, and this study has just been published um, in JAVMA, where investigators at a private veterinary dermatology referral practice compared the rates of malignancies and non-malignant skin masses in two groups of dogs. The Apoquil group was 339 dogs that had received Apoquil for at least six months duration with a mean of close to actually three years. The control group was dogs that have been treated for allergic disease, allergic dermatitis for at least six months with any other drugs. And the groups were breed and age matched. Both groups were followed for at least 24 months. The results of the published study showed that there was no significant difference between the groups. Malignancies occurred in 16.5% of the Apoquil dogs and 12.8% of the control dogs. Well, benign skin masses occurred in 57% of the apical-treated dogs
0: compared to 58% of the control dogs. So let's take a break, but up next, let's explore Cytopoint, and then I want to talk about the human-animal bond and how that can be affected if we don't get this itching under control, because that's huge. So... You may not know this, but, or maybe you do, we have quizzes on pause and reflect. Uh, I heard a rumor about that. You did, huh <laughs> Yep. So, um, this is a current events quiz, and it's to see how well you're keeping up with what's happening around us outside oh, of veterinary medicine. It's fill-in-the-blank. Um, and as always in all episodes, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to win either because there are no prizes. I have the <laughs> bell. Okay, to make you feel good when you get something right. Um, are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Let's see. This week, a mysterious large red glob, those are the scientists' words, not mine, was found lying on a rocky shore in Washington state, which has drawn in experts across the country, each wondering what this gelatinous animal is. What was it? A sponge. No, no. Jellyfish? It was, no, no, that's what my son said. Um, no, it was a seven armed octopus, a halifron atlanticus, which is a deep water creature that is rarely seen as far north as Washington. And initially they thought it was a vampire squid. But, oh my, you know what's weird is like a seven armed octopus. Can that be? Uh, It shouldn't be an octopus then. Right. That's what I'm kind of thinking, (laughs) but that's what they're calling it. All right. Okay. No bell, but good for effort. Um, In number two, it was recently discovered that tarantulas, like all things hairy, sometimes do what? Need a haircut? (laughs) You're close. They go bald. Oh, how unfortunate. Yeah, listen to this. So for the Brazilian white knee tarantula, baldness starts with their bottom, their rump. Oh. Yes. Mm -hmm. An entomologist from the Purdue Insect Zoo at Purdue University in Indiana recently tweeted a photo showing their newly adopted tarantula's bear derriere. Mm. And they named the tarantula after the rapper Little Kim because of its pink hair. Well, I really hope that
1: Trancha does not need a derm consult. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that is a little scary for me.
0: I know. Oh, are you scared of spiders? A little arachnophobia here. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, I should. Uh, I wish know. <laughs> I had known. I was giving you a different question. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Number three. Last one. Exciting news. Blank is on its way to the red planet to search for signs of ancient life and collect samples to send back to Earth.
1: Oh, I'm going to be O for 3. The Mars rover? Yes.
0: Very oh, good. Oh, finally. Yes. NASA's Mars 2020 <sighs> Perseverance rover. Very good. All right. So, you, so I rang the bell once. That's great. That's much better than a lot of other guests do. So good well, for you. Well, slightly okay. better. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to dermatology. So we've talked about Apoquil and we're all up to date on that. So let's switch gears and talk about Cytopoint. Is Cytopoint just for atopic dermatitis?
1: I'm glad that you brought this up. It has been shown that Cytopoint is effective for the treatment of dogs for any allergic dermatitis, including atopic dermatitis.
0: So You know what I have to ask, of course, we've got to talk about the studies. Tell us about the Cytopoint studies. Sure. There are a few that
1: I can present today. There was a retrospective study using Cytopoint in 135 dogs with allergic dermatitis in the Western United States. They found that 87.8% of the dogs were treatment successes the median pruritus scores decreased from a 6.5 which is equivalent to a moderate level of itch to a 1.5 which is considered to be a normal itch score in other words their itch was very well controlled interestingly 93% of large or giant breed dogs achieved treatment success so we see that larger dogs do really well on cyto point 2 the authors concluded that Cytopoint at labeled dosages was fast, safe, and efficacious for therapy for the control of pruritus in dogs with allergic dermatitis.
0: Some dogs, though, on Cytopoint may need more than one injection to get maximum benefits, correct? True.
1: We know from the pivotal efficacy studies that greater than 80% of dogs achieve treatment success by day three, and that 69% of dogs maintain their success at day 28. We know from pharmacokinetic and clinical studies that if the efficacy after the first dose is not as expected, a second or third dose may achieve better results. A study was performed to evaluate this further. Investigators, myself included, found that cumulatively, 65% of dogs achieved treatment success after the first injection of Cytopoint, 85% after the second, and 93% after three injections. Based on that, I would recommend an appointment with the owner four weeks after the initial treatment to recheck your patient. If that dog has a partial response, I would give a second treatment of Cytopoint.
0: So let's talk about an allergic dog because they can really, when they're allergic, it can really affect the quality of life for the pet and the owner. So it's so important for us to help, you know, maintain that bond by helping with, um, you know, getting this under control, getting this itch under control.
1: I absolutely agree. And as I said earlier, that's what motivates me to work hard to control the itch in my patients. More than that, there are studies that support that fact. A study was done in 10 general veterinary practices. A total of 68 dogs with a diagnosis of atopic dermatitis completed the study. Each dog was administered the labeled dose of cytopoint, at least 2 mg per kg by sub-Q injection, once monthly for 3 months. The following variables were assessed on days 0, 30, 60, and 90. First, owners assess their dogs using the pritus Visual Analog Scale or PVAS. Then using an electronic questionnaire, they were asked questions about their pet's quality of life, the qual- their quality of life, as well as overall treatment satisfaction with use of Cytopoint. There was a mean 57% decrease in itch seven days after the first treatment with Cytopoint. These dogs' itch scores went from a level equivalent to moderately severe Prytis To a level of just mild itch in only one week. Mean itch scores continued to decrease with additional injections of cytopoint so that by day 63 and again at day 91, the mean itch score was less than 20, which is regarded as a normal itch score. So we can again see that the atopic dermatitis in these dogs was very well controlled. Yeah, that's incredible. And how about the quality of life for the pet owner? The investigators also found significant improvement in the owner quality of life just one week after the first injection of Cytopoint. What we see is that the pet parent's quality of life was quickly improved when the dog's itch was reduced. The dog's quality of life was also significantly improved by day seven, and this improvement was maintained through day 90. Importantly, the improvement in the quality of life of the dog occurred regardless of the size of the dog. That means that large dogs experienced significant improvement in quality of life as much as the small dogs did. And this is really helpful to share with owners of larger dogs who may be hesitating to try CytoPoint as a treatment option for their dog. We can be as confident recommending Cytopoint with an expectation of a positive outcome in larger dogs as we can in smaller dogs. Uh Lastly, this study found that pet parents were actually giving 60% fewer concomitant therapies in the third month of Cytopoint treatment compared to prior to treatment. So I think this gives pet parents great peace of mind when they see that their dog is more comfortable and they don't have as
0: many medications to give. Yeah, it's perfect. Definitely. We are just about out of time, but what are your final thoughts on managing allergic dogs?
1: It really starts at the beginning, Kim. When we are doing that allergy workup, when you provide rapid itch relief to the pet, we earn the trust of the pet parent. We need to get them off the emotional roller coaster of fire engine medicine and find the primary cause or causes of the pet's itch. We need to use best in class medications for both the allergy workup and for chronic management of canine atopic dermatitis. It's important to surround yourself with a team of people that are committed to those goals too. That includes you as the veterinarian, your technicians, and customer service representatives. And most importantly, it includes the pet parent. Good communication is critical. And we need to ensure that the pet parent understands both the aspects and steps of our diagnostic approach, and especially with atopic dermatitis, the need for long-term management. We need to listen to the needs of the pet parent and provide a customized plan to meet their needs
0: and the needs of the patient yeah I think communication is key I couldn't have said it better well if we have to stop now but thank you so much for joining us today it was a pleasure to have you on the show absolutely this was great fun <laughs> this is the first episode of season four of pause and reflect with Zoetis of course you have to join us for the second episode come on right Dr. McKay I'll definitely be tuning in. (laughs) Next time, we will talk about how a team approach to handling dermatology cases can have better case outcomes. It's amazing. I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this has been Pause and Reflect with Zoetis. This podcast was sponsored by Zoetis, the makers of treatments including Apoquel and Cytopoint. Here's some important safety information. Do not use Apoquel in dogs less than 12 months of age or those with serious infections. Apoquel may increase the chances of developing serious infections and may cause existing parasitic skin infestations or pre-existing cancers to get worse. Apoquel has not been tested in dogs receiving some medications, including some commonly used to treat skin conditions such as corticosteroids and cyclosporine. Do not use in breeding, pregnant, or lactating dogs. Most common side effects are vomiting and diarrhea. Apoquel has been used safely with many common medications, including parasiticides, antibiotics, and vaccines. For more information, please see the full prescribing information at Apoquel.com. These are Apoquel indications control of paritis, itching, associated with allergic dermatitis, and control of atopic dermatitis in a dog's at least 12 months of age. These are Cytopoint indications. Cytopoint has been shown to be effective for the treatment of dogs against allergic dermatitis and atopic dermatitis. Zoetis is dedicated to changing the way we approach canine pruritus to protect the bonds that matter most. Visit scienceofstrongerbonds.com for more information.